Hey there, welcome to LSAT Demon Daily Digest. If you hate short podcasts, this is the one where we put together all of the shorter episodes into one longer episode. I'm Nathan Fox, that's Ben Olson. Together we're the founders of LSATdemon.com and our weekly podcast, Thinking LSAT. We've been getting lots of emails that are similar to this one from Edgar. Why don't you go ahead and read? It's just his short little email. Sure. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Have you seen the new law school rankings released by US News? Do you think anything is worth mentioning about the changes in the rankings? And then I guess you added these bullet points. I added these things. I mean, like the things that made headlines, which are factually true and matter not. Mm -hmm. Harvard, no longer a top three law school. Oh my God. Is Harvard now a shitty law school? No, (laughs) it's still fucking Harvard. Yep. And everything that comes along with that outside of the law school, right? (laughs) It's ranked fourth now. Yep. Okay. It's still the best law school on the East Coast. There's no difference. Also, just think of the branding that Harvard carries. You know, we talk about national law schools. (laughs) Harvard is one that carries international recognition. Yeah, and I don't think Harvard gives a fuck about top three. I don't think Harvard is out there saying, well, you know, we're a top three. (laughs) We're one of the top three law schools in the country. Nope. They say Harvard Harvard says, we're motherfucking Harvard. Yep. You've heard of us. <laughs> they don't care. Come on now. Okay. Maybe there are admissions deans. Maybe they're, you know, like I'm not. They're probably would, talking about this, but they want to just, you know, what are they going to do? I don't know. Does it make a significant difference in the quality of applications that Harvard actual law school is going to receive? No. And what we know about U.S. news rankings. So the other two bullet points here, you know, everybody's making a big fucking deal. Georgetown now back in the top 14 UCLA no longer in the top 14. Yeah. Well, okay. That was a change that happened one year ago or two years ago where Georgetown and UCLA flipped. Mm -hmm. Oh, and now shocker, they flipped back. Yep. All that does is illustrate how stupid it is to pay attention to any of these rankings or any arbitrary top 14 or top three or top 10 or top anything you see Hastings, you know, they dropped out of the top 50. Oh my God. Yep. yep. The Hastings community should be shocked that you see Hastings is no longer a top 50 school. Well, okay. They were 50th and now they're 51st. Yep. So what difference does it make? So the only thing that should make a difference is if you go from, say, 14 to 30, right? Then that's more than 100% change. Something probably happened. <laughs> I was super disappointed to see this above the law ranking hmm. or this, the, sorry, this above the law article. Yeah. I, I just think that this is shamefully bad. This is like so stupid. And I really wish that the, I know that there are real smart people at above the law. Hmm. And I wish that they would not let this kind of clickbait bullshit go out, Mm, you know, mm. but all this is, is it's just like a headline about the new rankings. And of course, they're going to talk about big changes because they want people to click it and share it and everything. I don't think we should even put a link to this in the show notes because this is just so dumb. But, you know, it it's like, oh, a big change in the top 14. And it's, it's like, oh, okay. So a whole bunch of non-issues like Georgetown is now in, is now 14th instead of 15th and UCLA is now 15th instead of 14th, you know, Chicago plus one, they're now top three. Yeah. This, this actual, this, this chart, which they show here and they show what they either, they show how much each school has gone up or down. You have Yale 
zero, Stanford, zero, Chicago, plus one, Columbia, zero, yeah. Harvard, minus one. There, All there, these numbers are zero, there plus are no one, plus or minus twos. one. Nope. There are no so minus there are no twos. changes. <laughs> there are more zeros or the same number of zeros as pluses and minus ones. Yes, which you still could, means nothing. Means the same exact nothing. data would have supported a more accurate headline that was like, Bunch nothing of fucking changed. nothing. Yeah. Just ain't don't look over here. Nothing to look at over here. But of course that doesn't get clicks. And so they just put out this complete dog shit article. It's just so dumb. It's like a what it's almost like a it's not a listicle, but it's about a journalistic equivalent of a listicle with like quote from supposed experts and just a bunch of dumb, you know, here's the big winners and losers. And it's like Oh, because William and Mary went up five from 35 to 30. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. fucking cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a difference that matters. I anyway. Okay, whatever. It's distasteful and I don't want to talk about it anymore. The, Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, our take is if it's not a hundred percent difference in their ranking, then it just doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference. Mm-hmm. Like when you're comparing two schools to get to each other, is there a 100% difference in the rankings? Yep. If not, I don't want to hear about it. If you're confused by that, you just take the smaller number and you double it. And if the ranking is within that frame, then fine. Right. Uh, so there's Berkeley, no change. nine. Mm-hmm. Hastings, 51. Mm-hmm. There's a significant difference in those law schools. Yep. Stanford, two. Berkeley, nine. There's a significant difference in those law schools. Mm-hmm. But these new rankings did not change any school to the, to even close to that margin. Yeah. And so every, like, it's just every year this happens and it's almost like I'm tempted to, to like, we should start doing this. We should start publishing a bunch of clickbait bullshit on the day that the rankings come out. What, what actually, wait, what if we, what if we published articles that just said, you bunch of fucking nothing. Nothing happened. And then people are like, what? <laughs> Once again, I heard again, something did happen. <laughs> don't look at these rankings. Yes, let's do that. Um, we need to put a calendar reminder. Hopefully our team will hear this and do this for us. But let's let's get ready. Let's let's chamber a a press release to fire out on April, whatever it is, or sorry, May, sorry, God, March 27th or 28th or whatever it is because we can just go ahead and tell you in advance, there's not going to be significant changes that fucking matter at all in next year's U S news rankings. No matter what you hear, none of it matters. It's just not, it doesn't have anything to do with the underlying differences between these schools. The rankings changes are never big enough to actually make a difference. These schools are the same schools. They always were. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So let's put out, Oh, no one's going to pick this up, by the way. Like, no one's going <laughs> to... It's going to be only for our own amusement. But it's going to be like, nothing happens. That's the headline. Yeah. Okay, we got a lot of emails about this. This is a representative email from Bex. Okay. It says, hi, guys. I'd love to hear what you have to say about LSAC's new pilot program for mm. law school prep college courses versus taking the LSAT. Pros, cons, etc." I thought your listeners might be interested to know as well, since the program drops this fall, you can read the article here. And the first thing that I want to say about this, I manage our email queue for both shows now. Yeah. And even it's like even sometimes our teachers are guilty of this or our our staff are guilty of this. Yeah. Yeah. Read the fucking article. Yeah. Because 
and you know, peek behind the curtain of journalism. Mm-hmm. The people who write the headlines are not the people who write the article. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I swear to God, the headline writers seems like in many cases didn't read the article either. Mm. They're looking for clicks. They're, they're looking for the most dramatic possible heading that they can put on the story. Yeah. And I've read several stories about this program. And I do have thoughts about this program. Mm-hmm. But the first thought that I want to give to Bex and to all of our listeners and just everybody. Y'all have to start reading the actual articles because the headlines do not. They sometimes. I, so this is a perfect example. The headline says legal coursework for undergraduates might replace LSAT, says law school admission council. Yeah, you hear that. You're like, whoa. The LSAT's going and it, <laughs> okay. it's according to LSAC. Wow. Well, yeah. Says <laughs> law school admission council, legal coursework for undergraduates might replace LSAT. So, well, there's a bit of a, um, you know, there's an LSAT lesson in here, which is sure. might. Mm-hmm. What does might mean? What is does actually it, being said here? Right. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> might doesn't mean jack shit. Right. Like. There's the old Wayne's World thing about, and oh, well, yeah, and monkeys might fly out of my butt. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, well, anything might happen. Mm-hmm. So um, that it's almost like there's it's completely devoid of meaning. Right. Yeah. But I think this headline doesn't even accurately represent what law school admission council said. Mm-hmm. What Can you imagine the law school admission council saying that this thing might replace the LSAT? <laughs> A a test that, by the way, they have continually defended as being relatively good at predicting first year success. So including in this article, this actual article says in a news release, the LSAC asserted that the LSAT is the single best predictor of law school success across all demographic groups. According to Griffith, uh, Griffith was, I believe, an ABA person. Yes, this is LSAC. Oh, no, it's LSAC. Sorry. Griffith, mm-hmm. LSAC's vice president for product development and business intelligence. According to Griffith, the LSAT and this new undergraduate program will complement each other. And it's possible that some students will do both. It's and then possible that some will do both. But right. the vast, vast majority will do the LSAT. <laughs> yeah. Here's the money quote at the end of it. We understand that the LSAT is a great pathway for many individuals, but we also understand this might be an alternative pathway to develop skills and support systems. Not to get into law school. Right. (laughs) She, She did not say what the headline says she said. Yeah. Okay, by the way, place the LSAT. Well, that's a different word. Yeah, (laughs) there's no fucking way that the law school admission council thinks that this is going to replace the LSAT. Here's what's actually happening. There is a new offering to help prepare people for law school. Mm -hmm. They're going to pilot it at three schools. Starting this fall. So if you're a student this fall at Cornell Northeastern or University of Maryland Eastern Shore, mm-hmm. three schools out of however many hundreds there are in the United States. Yep. If you are an undergrad at those schools, then you could take some courses in this new, um, sorry, what are we calling it? Legal education program. Okay. Yep. But I mean, 
they're going to study the validity and reliability for law school admissions of this thing. And <laughs> when you read, uh, you know, by the way, great, cool. Prepare by the, by all means, prepare people more for law school, specifically prepare them for law school. Great. Fine. Love it. Let's see how this does, you know, predicting 1L grades. I'll be shocked if it does a better job of predicting 1L grades, though, than your just overall undergraduate GPA. Yeah. How, what? They're going to have like perfect grades here and not <laughs> in the rest of their classes. And somehow that's going to be OK. Like it just. Yeah. And, and I'll also be shocked if it does a better job of predicting 1L performance than the LSAT does. But hey. If it does, wow, that's Great. awesome. Well, yeah. and it, it <laughs> that's it the whole point of pilot programs and studies. Yeah. It also, I don't think it can possibly hurt the predictive value, right? Sure. So you could add to it, it right? Right. I mean, yeah. I, I think really best case for this program is that <laughs> it's going to supplement law school admissions. Oh, you did that pilot program? Oh, good. We can see how you did in that pilot pro. We can see how you did in this program of mm -hmm. undergrad legal education or legal education prep, whatever. Oh, that plus your LSAT plus your undergraduate GPA. Oh, okay. That gives us a, a better picture. I can yeah. certainly see that being the case. I mean, here, here's the other thing. Okay. The LSAC does not determine whether the LSAT is required for law school admissions. Yeah. That's the American bar association. Yeah. We have a quote here from Bill Adams, ABA Managing Director of Accreditation and Legal Education, who told the ABA Journal, the role of the council in the context of this program would be to determine at some point how the program complies with Section 503, which requires that all schools use a valid and reliable examination to assess candidates for admission. Jeez Louise, like, think about this. The, the kids who use this program would have to then apply to law school and then we'd have to see how they do. Right. I mean, how else do you determine whether it's a valid? <laughs> right. right. So this is no news for anybody in the next like five years. I mean, at, well, at least that's not true. If, if you are an undergrad right now at one of these three schools, then, you know, you, you could at least be registering for these classes if you wanted Again, Cornell, Northeastern, and University of Maryland, Eastern Shore. You know, if you're at, if you, hey, by the way, this fall, I mean, if you're at one of these schools, let us know how the program goes. We'd love to hear. I'm sure we will start getting emails from people who take this program. Um, you just, the most you know. value I see coming out of this is people taking these classes and being like, hmm, maybe I don't want to go to law school. Or, yeah, this stuff seems interesting it's kind of what i thought it would be maybe i do want to go to law school <laughs> yeah I, I don't see a whole lot coming out of this yeah. ever I, I bet we never hear about it again it's like the um you know the games they're going away we're <laughs> we're not going to see the games anymore what uh, have we you heard anything about that they made count for more <laughs> since yeah. that happened <laughs> yeah we're gonna they're gonna go away we're gonna study that logic games they're going away they use the same kind of language. They're like, someday, right? We are going <laughs> to. Yeah. In the meantime, we're going to just slip in there that they count more now than they used to <laughs> because we dropped one of the sections of logical reasoning without comment. But nobody, nobody objected, apparently. So anyway, um, yeah, the, you know, pilots, Ben, like it's like pilot television shows. Sure. 
Uh, most pilots remain pilots forever because mm-hmm. they stopped making them. They didn't make mm-hmm. any more of them. So, yeah. you know, I, whatever. Like, if I hope I wish them success on this pilot program. But um, <laughs> that headline. I mean, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just this like wildly speculative, you know, like when would it been if it were going to replace the LSAT? How long would that whole process take? Like you said, at least at least five years, because even like, OK, you prove that it's valid <laughs> and reliable. But now it's like, well, is it valid and reliable and better than the LSAT? <laughs> right. Mean, there's just like, well, will U.S. News start ignoring the LSAT? Because if U.S. News doesn't start ignoring the LSAT, then the law schools are not going to start ignoring the LSAT. And we have the GRE already in play. So it's like, (laughs) well, that was going to replace the LSAT as well. Yeah. Right. Those headlines have been around for years now already. And it's like right now, the GRE is not a valid path to law school in most cases. Mm -mm. I mean, it just it doesn't work that way. We got an email here from Maggie. Hey, Demon Team. First, I want to thank Ben, Nathan, and all the Demon Teachers for the incredible work you do. I have a 19-point increase so far, and I can't wait to retake the LSAT in April and the summer months to reach even higher. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like you've already locked in that 19-point increase. That's that's awesome. amazing. I mean, that's what that's exactly what we're talking about, right? I mean, this Maggie's getting greedy. Yep. Everybody needs to be like Maggie. Because well, if you're not, you're going to yeah. pay Maggie's tuition. I think they get greedy when they realize that there are actual dollars associated with those additional points. When you when you really see the game that's being played here, then it makes perfect sense, right? Time, effort to, to increase that score. Roughly $10,000 worth of tuition per LSAT point. I think that's a useful rule of thumb. It's a round number. Yep. I'm convinced that there is a school out there right now that won't admit you. But if you improve by 10 points, that same school will give you a full ride. Yeah. And just order a magnitude. I think it's it's about one point per uh, $10,000 per point. Roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Go to LSATdemon.com slash scholarships and play with various LSAT scores. And, you know, the school you're looking at, if, if I'm not talking about one school for you, I'm talking about somewhere in the country, there is a school that today yep. won't admit you, but if you add 10 points, they will give you a scholarship. So go to lsidemon.com slash scholarships to check that out. Which makes also uh, the reason for that, that is a reason for retaking it, right? Because if you only have to pay $200 for the chance to get one more LSAT point and thus 10 grand, who wouldn't yeah, and, take that chance for $200? And we're know? not talking about paying $200 for a lottery ticket. Just take it again, you know, do the exact chance. same thing you did last time. It's not a random chance. It's a, it's a super good chance. I mean, Maggie is working hard. She's got the best advice she can possibly get um, because she's working with us. Mm-hmm. And she's already improved by 19 points and is hungry for more like her, you know, she's going to walk into the April test going, well, I know what I've been able to do on all my practice tests. I understand the test. I get it. I expect to do well. And then she'll take it again in June and again in August. And then she'll apply early in the beginning of the next cycle with a really kick-ass LSAT score. 
I mean, this is somebody who's going to law school for free. Yeah. Anyway. She says, I have a question about how to frame my law school plans to a potential employer during a job interview next week. The position is at a research center attached to a law school that I'm very interested in attending. Should I bring up my plans to apply to law school during the interview? It's a one-year contract position, so law school attendance wouldn't intersect with the role's tenure. Okay, so if there's no conflict here, if you're not applying for a job that they expect you to hang around as long as possible, but you're planning to leave before they expect you to leave, I don't see why this is an issue. I would bring it up if they're curious, if you thought it was relevant to the job. Yeah. But otherwise, I just don't care. Job interviewing, you should be there to talk about the job. Yeah. You should, you should be like, I, I think the easiest thing to do in a job interview and the most impressive thing you can do to any employer, it's not, they're not, <laughs> you can flip it entirely. It doesn't have to be like this interrogation of the applicant and this like, you know, probing into the applicant's history and future plans. No, instead, why don't you start talking about the work they do at that job and it's almost like assume that this is the first meeting. Well, because it it is, if you get the job, assume that this is the first meeting of your job there, and you're you're there to learn like how can I help? What are you guys working on? What are we going to be doing together? What important projects do you have coming up? What are what challenges are you currently facing that I can help with? You know, <laughs> like just. Change it entirely instead of this like defensive, oh my God, are they going to ask me about whatever? Like, is it going to be this, these topics that I should steer clear of? And instead of that, why don't you just ask them about their shit? Yeah. Like ask them about their work that they're actually doing there. No, the mindset is key. Think, think of it as they're the ones that are on trial. Yeah. Do you want to get that job there? Like yeah, you're, you don't you're, really know. You you might. You think you're interested, but what if it sucks? What if you talk to the person and they seem like an asshole? Yeah. Like you want to go work for them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or what if what if the work that they do isn't the kind of work that you thought it was? Because you don't really know. You don't work there. Yeah. You don't know. You you have no idea what that job is actually like. I mean, I take it from me as an old guy who has had many, many different jobs. They're never what you think they're going to be. They're not exactly what you think they're going to be. They could yeah. be better and most of the time are worse than what you think. Yep. Because you have the rose-colored glasses, right? Ooh, that looks like a, such oh, a great... Ooh, research, man. yeah. Yeah, Center. but then once you yeah. get in there, you might... I mean, the odds are pretty good that you're going to get in there and decide that it sucks. So <laughs> like, you should, be, you should be going in there interviewing them. Yeah. Like it's either a perfect fit or you should walk. So go in there and just like act like you already work there. I'm not saying be like arrogant or whatever, but go in there no. and be like interested in the work they do and kind of presume that this is going to be a great fit or you're not going to take it anyway. Yep. And it's not that they're going to deny you. It's that you're going to deny them. Yeah. You're going in there to decide whether you want this job. Yeah. Yeah. They want you. They wouldn't be interviewing interviewing you. you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. They want you. They need you. And they want you. And you would kick ass for them. 
So go in there and presume that you've got the job if you want it and just figure out whether you really actually want it. That's what you should be talking about in the interview. Anyway, sorry yeah. for the unsolicited <laughs> lecture. So Maggie continues, I'm worried that speaking about my law school plans could insinuate that this school is my top choice. I don't want to give the impression that I'm so ride or die that I'd attend without a decent full scholarship offer. At the same time, if I were on staff and accepted, there might be a way to get a serious tuition discount and then potentially have scholarships take care of the remaining cost of attendance. That could mean more than full tuition if I play my cards right. Am I just overthinking this? For reference, I'm above the 75th for UGPA and at the 50th for LSAT and actively working toward breaking the 75th for LSAT. Thanks so much for all you do, and enjoy the weekend. A um, little bit. Yeah, I mean, so I think what Maggie, she didn't actually come out and say it, but, yeah. well, she, she did sort of. She, she's worried that she's going to be negotiating against herself for scholarships at the law school. That's definitely overthinking it. They, yeah, <laughs> the, like they're going to the be people like, at oh. this clinic are not going to go talk to the law school admissions team and be like, hey, she really wants to come here. So if you admit her, don't give her a scholarship. They don't the, the people in this clinic or what is it? Research center. The people in this research center probably don't even understand the law school scholarship game that's being played. Well, also, <laughs> if you really are in their 75th percentile for undergraduate GPA, and eventually for their LSAT, you're going to be the one holding the cards. <laughs> yeah. So Even if they don't <laughs> offer you a scholarship, you could turn around and go, wait a second. Why? Okay. Can you reconsider my scholarship offer, please? If you, if you don't, that's fine, but I'll go somewhere else for free. Right. Yeah. So yeah. thanks. Well, Maggie, these are the kinds of questions that the like truly excellent applicants ask. Sure. It's good to be familiar with the field, but then also remind yourself what actually matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Be a good well, employee. Don't make bad impressions, but get your LSAT score as high as you possibly can, and then you will hold all the cards. Yeah. Go in, kick ass in this interview. Hopefully you get the job. That would be awesome. Sounds like a good way to learn about the a field you're interested in. That's that's terrific. And if it all works out and you get into the school and you like the job and then you get a tuition discount, then it's just win, 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 win. The rich do get richer in this whole process. So it sounds like that's exactly what's going to happen to Maggie. Today we have an email from Nicole. It says, hi, Ben and Nathan. Thank you for being straight to the point and including Canadian law school related content! Exclamation point. All right, so Nicole must be a Canadian. Okay. Listening to your podcasts has helped me improve my mindset toward the exam and focus on careful reading above all else. After a summer of studying with Princeton Review on four-section practice tests, I kept scoring in the high 140s. All I can say is, what a waste of time and money. I wish I had discovered you guys sooner! Exclamation point. I plan to sign up for an LSAT Demon account shortly! Exclamation point. I've started my studies again, this time with no timeline to reach my goal score. Boy, I like the sound of that. Yeah, that does sound good. I I, I got distracted by the four-section practice test. Is, is she saying that Princeton Review is still stuck on the old? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> that would be interesting. Well, okay. either that or they're given an experimental section, which would make sense. But I, That would make um, sense. 
Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, all these classes out there, they do, they're, they're always built toward a, a test date. Yeah. And I yep. knew that was wrong at the beginning of my business. I knew that was wrong. But people still would ask me like, well, what classes, what test is that class for? Yeah. It was hard to get away from, right? It's like, <laughs> right. that's how people came to us. They said, okay, well, I want to take this test. What class should I take for that? And it's kind of right. like, um, well, this class would end before that test. But They're the reality right. is you're probably going to go longer. Um, and by the way, you have access to our materials for time after the class is over precisely because i expect that so maybe you're going to be taking the next test anyway yeah yeah i i feel nicole i mean i I can't i hate to say i feel princeton review but i kind of do like if if you're doing a live in-person three-month class or whatever then it kind of does it's like gonna people are gonna want to sign up for it because it ends right before the june test although Less so now, right? Because now the test is offered nine times a year anyway. So we don't really, there's, I don't know, there's no point shooting for a particular test. To to be clear, like some people take six weeks and they're fully prepared. Some people take six months and they're not yet prepared. So we don't really know how long it's going to take you. And you should be just working on like chipping away at it. Do a little bit every day and wait until your practice test scores indicate that you're ready to take the test that's when you should sign up. Yeah. And although people do take six weeks, I wouldn't, (laughs) it certainly wouldn't be my plan. That was the struggle that we always had, right? It was like, uh, if you're going into a Princeton review class and it's two months and it ends right before the official test, I just, I wouldn't say, okay, well, great. That's, that's, it's all going to work out. (laughs) Right. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the opposite either. Right. Mm -hmm. Like some people they've read online that you have to have a four or six month LSAT study program. Yeah. And we have somebody, she was just 300 hours, right. Right. Or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck that. If, if, if that's not necessary, that's not necessary. Like don't do shit. Don't punish yourself. Yeah. We, we have somebody in our classes right now who last week I was talking to her in class and she's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I started two weeks ago and I scored 170 on my practice test today. Hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. Like that's somebody who just keep, keep working at it. But you're like, you're basically ready. I mean, you're almost, you're going to be ready very quickly. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you have, you're taking to the test. You're a good reader. You're a careful reader. The questions are making sense to you that's because they make sense. You got it. Like you, you know, and so for somebody like that, I, I, it's like, yeah, great. We've got you for probably one month of the LSAT demon live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's going to pay us a total of $295 and she's going to be fully prepared for the LSAT. Yeah. And maybe knock it out of the park on her first attempt. Of course she should plan for retakes if necessary, but you know, that's somebody who, like the timeline would have failed her in the opposite direction. Sure. Right. Cause I think, you know, sometimes students come to me and they're like, well, so I'm planning on taking the test in August. And I, but I scored 170 on my most recent practice test. And I'm like, whoa, August. I mean, how are you going to fill that time? Like, you what? got a few chances between now and then. Like, why wouldn't yeah. you be shooting for these other? Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Back to Nicole. Sure. When I decide to take practice tests again, after building a better foundation, mm, I don't like that question. Should I be using three or four sections to calculate my LSAT score? 
Okay, well, it's because I used a previous four section exam I took with Princeton Review and scored in the high 140s. And then I eliminated one of the three sections. And then I used the three section score conversion program for raw scores on the power <laughs> score. <laughs> Just do your tests in the demon and you won't have to do any of this. So nope. don't even worry about it. Yeah, the, the demon gives you two choices. You can either take a three section test or you can take a four section test. But if you take a four section test, one of those sections will be experimental. You won't know which one it is, of course. And the demon will exclude that section from your final raw score and thus your LSAT score. So just let the demon do it. Yep. Yeah. So just right. Nicole, come study with us. I, you know, this podcast is not supposed to be a commercial for the demon, but we're going to help you a lot. And um, <laughs> your conversion, she says, when I converted it from three sections to four sections or from four sections to three sections, my score increased to the mid 160s instead of the 140s. I don't think as something's not right <laughs> Yeah, that's like, no, sorry, Nicole. That's not, that's called an error in the conversion. That's not like, the, <laughs> the scores are exactly the same on three sections and four yeah. sections. So something yeah. went wrong there. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't, whatever you did, don't do that. Um, do the questions, do the, do the tests in the demon. The thing I don't like that Nicole said that I think the lesson really here. She said, when I decide to take practice tests again after building a better foundation, and I want to be clear, Nicole, practice tests are part of the construction process. The purpose of taking practice tests is to build a foundation. So don't separate those two things. Well, yeah, the way to build a better foundation is to do one question and learn from it. And a practice test is just a, a bunch of questions. So, yeah, right. you don't need to do them <laughs> every day or even once a week. You could do them every other week, but they contain official LSAT questions and you do them and then you learn from them. That's how you build a better foundation. The purpose of doing it is to, to digest, you know, you're going to chew on and digest more LSAT material. You're going to do yep. one question at a time. You're going to chew on it. You're going to solve it. You're going to answer it correctly. You're going to move on to the next. You're going to miss a couple in that process. Not too many, just a couple. And then you're going to thoroughly review those mistakes after you're done. That's why you do practice tests, not to just see what your score is on the 120 to 180 scale, but to get more experience doing timed sections and just practice, just doing more LSAT stuff. So by the way, you can do one section today, one section tomorrow, one section the next day, and then let the demon calculate your score. That's really probably what you should be doing. The bulk of your practice tests. You can also mix in, as Ben said, one practice test every other week, full, mm-hmm. like where you do all four sections in a row Something like that would be plenty, maybe even too much, huh? One a month might be enough. Yeah, I think it, it's kind of a function of where you're scoring, right? The lower you're scoring, the more you should probably just focus on individual 35-minute yep. sections so you have the stamina and the focus to review them. Yep. The higher you're scoring, the fewer questions you're getting wrong and the easier it is for you to review. So the more practice tests you can fit into your life. Yeah. That student that I mentioned earlier, the one who's, you know, already scoring 170 after two yeah. weeks of prep, yep. um, that student could do a practice two like two tests a week, maybe. Yep. 
because you're going to sit down, you're going to solve all basically all the questions. I mean, you, if you, if you get a 170, you've only missed like what, six or seven questions maybe. Yeah. And, and so then you're going to review those six or seven questions, but you know, that's a solid day or two worth of work, uh, total, including the review. And then, you know, you're ready to do another practice test if you like. Of course, you also don't have to because you can yeah, just there's do a no section. Need. Yeah, you could do sections or even drilling. Right. Like some of this is dependent yeah. on your personal schedule. Like how much time do you have right now? Do you have 35 minutes? Really an hour to do a section? Do you have three hours to do a test and review? What do you think about three or four section tests for Nicole? Do you care whether students do or don't mix in the experimental section? Um, no, I don't care, but I think it, it can be helpful to do one four section test sometime before your official test. Just get a sense of like, okay, two sections break, two sections. This is what it's yeah. like. And if you find yourself thinking about it a lot, then maybe you should do it more because ultimately the goal, really, you shouldn't be thinking about the experimental section. Mm -hmm. People like just obsess over it. Yeah. It's like the first thing they talk to me about, they get done with their official test and they, you know, illegally, they're not supposed to talk about the official test, but they do anyway. Immediately, as soon as the official test is over, they're sending me emails about like, well, I, I just really hope that the second section was experimental. And I'm like, what? The experimental section doesn't count. And you did four sections. You did your best on all of them. I like the this like just obsession with thinking about the experimental section. Mm-hmm. It's can't it cannot possibly be productive. Right. It's one of these things where there's like no upside and there's only downside to it. Yeah. People need to stop thinking about it. Yeah. To be clear, if you do a four-section test in the demon, one of those is an experimental, you're still doing an official section and you're still getting graded on it. It just doesn't affect your LSAT score. So you can still learn from and review those questions. So it's not like... It's not a complete waste of time to do the experimental section in the demon because it's, it's just another section. The only reason I favor three over four is that I want to make sure people review their tests. And the longer they are, the less likely they are to go through them. That's why we mostly recommend don't even do full tests. Just do a section instead. Yep. Because if you do one section, you might sit down and immediately review it. And that uh, that procrastination that people do where they they do a test and then they're like, oh, I'll watch some TV, relax a little bit. I'll come back and review it later. Yeah, then it's like 9 or 10 p.m. And they're like, well, okay, I can't do it. Now. Well, I'll do it Super tomorrow. Time. Yeah. And then tomorrow it's like, oh, well, well, I mean, I don't really even remember what I was thinking on those questions. So Yeah, D makes sense now. It's so obvious. It's like, well, okay, what did you do that all for? What was the point of that exercise? Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, so yeah, that's why uh, for Nicole and others, we do want you to do practice tests, you know, throughout your process. Mm-hmm. there's no point like putting it off. You should just do a practice test. Yeah. But you've got to block out the time to review that test. If you're going to do it, that's, that's the important part. We've got an email here from Owen. Go for it. Ben and Nathan. I'm currently finishing up my final semester of undergrad this spring, and I plan to apply to law school for fall of 2023. Okay. So you're applying this fall and then you'll go in the, in a year. That's great. This last fall, I decided that law school was something I wanted to pursue. 
With a full credit load and marching band, I did not have the time to properly study for the October 2021 LSAT that I took. Looking back, I completely understand how foolish it was to try and cram this test in for the fall 2022 cycle. Yeah, you're you're reading Owen wrong. Owen is talking about trying to apply. He wants to start law school this fall. That was originally his plan. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's a very, very bad plan. Uh, it's right now March. You're ridiculously late in the cycle. If you're, you're, you're not going to law, if you're starting now, or if you're studying for the LSAT now, you should not be, you're going to get ripped off. If you try to go to law school, this cycle, you should, you're not even that early for next cycle. You should be working hard right now in March. Well, I I think that was his plan, but his plan now is to apply. His plan has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had little confidence going into the exam, essentially cold, 30 minutes of free, 30 minutes, 30 minutes of free Khan Academy prep per day for one week. (laughs) (laughs) Total of three and a half hours of uh, LSAT prep. Okay. Okay. My diagnostic was a 148. Anticipating that I would perform horribly, I purchased the score review. Okay. So by the way, if anyone's ever anticipating that they're going to perform horribly, withdraw from the test. Okay. Um, I got back a score of 154. Although I knew it wouldn't get me into law school for free, I was pleasantly surprised considering my lack of prep and the fact that I ran out of time on my fourth logic game, selecting C for every question. I came across your podcast a few weeks ago and started Demon Free this week. I plan on purchasing a premium premium account for the month leading into the June LSAT. Is 30 days enough time to increase my score by 14 points or more? Should I even shoot for June or just wait and take it in August only? Lastly, what are your opinions on the first time score review? Okay, uh, do law schools review? View a, a record of 154 in the same light as a cancellation for future test takers is score preview a waste of money. Well, ignoring those questions, I want to say that Owen feels like he's he's falling into the same trap that he fell into before, right? He spent three and a half hours preparing with Khan Academy for his first test. And now he's like, okay, what's the what's the least amount of time I can spend and get ready for this test? Yeah. Like, Owen, are you going to be this kind of lawyer? Are you going to be this kind of law student? Yeah, I'll get ready for that hearing um, on Monday because it's on Tuesday. Like, no. (laughs) You're not going to be the kind of lawyer who does the minimum to prepare for trial, right? You're not going to be the kind of law student who does the minimum to prepare for your exams, right? This is the beginning of your legal career. You you need to be flipping this whole thing on on its head. You you need to be prepared preparing as best you can before you sit for an official test. Yep. Because this is, this is step one. I mean, boy, Owen, we're in the business of like changing people's lives. I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to give you bullshit advice about how to squeak in at the last minute and do the minimum and prepare, you know, I don't, whatever, go get that advice somewhere else. You're writing us for advice. Our advice is always going to be don't register for the test until you're happy with your practice test scores. Your practice test scores are not going to lie. I don't know whether you're going to be ready for the June LSAT or not. 50-50 at best. I don't know. Yeah. We don't know. 
And here, here's the thing to keep in mind, Owen. You scored a 154 with three and a half hours of prep. You're a candidate who has the potential to get into the 170s. I don't yeah, see why. Yeah, you have why. great promise, and you're you're, you're going to squander it with this type of shit. Yeah. Like, you know, you're, you're the type of student, you're already doing three games and guessing on the fourth. Okay, don't take the official test until you're reliably perfect on the logic games. Yeah. I want you to score perfectly on your official test. I don't want you to take the test until you can score perfectly on your logic games. That would be dumb. You would be like just leaving actual money on a, well, metaphorical table. But it's like you're (laughs) just come on, dude, slow down, get the very best LSAT you can. You need to think about the upside here. Huge upside. It's not just the money you're going to save from going to law school. You're going to go to a better law school. You're then going to be in the top of your class rather than the middle or the bottom. You're then going to get a better job that's going to pay for years to come. You're going to pay off your debt, which is going to be extraordinarily small and only from living expenses, faster, which is now going to let you invest sooner. You're going to have a life that's dramatically different because you take another six months or a year if necessary in this process to apply. I'm not saying it's going to take you a year to prepare for the LSAT. I'm just saying like, give yourself some time now and then let it pay off for years and years to come. Exactly. God, you know, he's, instead of trying to cram in, he's like, is it, is 30 days enough time to increase by 14 points or more? What, where, why 14 points? What are you talking about? Why not 20? (laughs) We're not 24. Yeah. What? Like, dude, you can improve more than you think you can improve, but you're going to have to like, let it breathe a little bit. You're going to have to take some time to do it. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, I don't know. I guess, you know, budget is a concern, which I totally respect and understand, but don't do one month of premium leading up to your actual test. The LSAT is not a test that you can cram for. In fact, I would much prefer, Owen, that you do one month of the demon now. And if budget means that you can't do premium now, maybe do a month of basic now Mm -hmm. because like two months of basic, how many tests? Well, all of the tests, right? With a, with a a subscription to demon basic, you can have access to all the tests Mm -hmm. and you could be working your ass off Owen a little bit every day. You could be doing, 30 minutes a day is uh, probably not enough. I, I would I would like to have an hour of your time most days. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy, an hour a day of Demon Basic. And I think that this guy is going to like almost guaranteed. Boy, it's, it's shocking to say this, but if he did an hour a day of Demon Basic, he eventually would get into the 170s. Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, that's unreasonable. By I don't think it's unreasonable at all. I think yeah. you would maybe get faster, get there faster if you did a month of live just so that you could have more conversations like this one and then interact directly premium. with us. I do think that premium would be better than basic if for someone who's once they're like scoring much higher, because then you can get the explanations for those more recent tests for the but, more recent ones. Yeah. The yeah. point is, I mean, whatever, Owen, I, I don't care what level of the demon you do, but I think we're, you're exactly the type of person that we can help a lot. Yeah. But the, the, the first thing is 
And we have what we haven't done is looked at Owen's demon free, like to see how mm. much he's actually doing in the demon. Mm. There's a lot you can do in demon free. And I wonder whether Owen is actually even taking advantage of those resources, because yeah. this just seems like somebody who and boy, it reminds me of me. Someone with great promise, someone with a hell of a lot of horsepower, like a lot of potential, but was always trying to get away with doing the minimum. And mm-hmm. in my view, that's just not a lawyer. Like I am not a lawyer. I, I don't have the work ethic to be a lawyer. Yeah. And Owen, you know, the LSAT is an opportunity for you to demonstrate that you do have that work ethic. So I would start with that. Email daily at LSATdemon.com if you'd like to ask us a question or share some LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.